I'll take out your Bibles if you brought them today, and you can open up to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. In fact, we're going to read uh, that all together here in just a minute. Today I want to look at, in fact, my title would be Everlasting Father. And we're going to look at the names of Jesus again that Isaiah gives out, prophesies, and gives out these names. And so let's start off with that, Isaiah 9, 6. Let's all read it. It's up on the screen. You have it in your Bibles. Let's all read it together. Ready? For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's read that end one again. Ready? And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, December is a month that if you don't watch it, it's easy to get consumed with ourselves. Some people celebrate Christmas, and they will this year, and they think Christmas is about buying and giving gifts, that that's all it is. We've been marketed to since the summer, haven't we? Since the summer, you go into certain stores and we've been marketed with Christmas. People trying to, to sell different things. But Isaiah, which now would be some 2,700 years, gave us a birth announcement that we just read. And it mentions that this child will be born and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Letting us know early, early on the proof of his word in his life. You know, one of the things when I read this, uh, I had run yesterday morning uh, early to go pick up something from the church. And this uh, business had specials happening all day long. I was there at 7 a.m. and it was packed. And everybody looked like they were getting the same thing. It was like, is, the, is this the Instapot year? Everybody had, like, Instapots. But you know, have you ever noticed you can buy the simplest little thing, and when you go to check out, it wants to know if you want a warranty. You notice that? Why do I need a warranty on a $5 item? You know, why would I spend $15 on a warranty? Everything has a warranty. Why? Because whatever you bought is guaranteed it's going to break, isn't it? You buy a warranty for your vehicle, why? Because it's going to break. You buy a warranty for your roof, for your home, why? Because eventually it's going to leak, you get a warranty. But one of the things that we read about God is he's not taking anything back because the guarantee of his son was purchased with his son's own blood. Guaranteed. It's not going to run out. And I love what we read in Isaiah 9, 6 about the names. And uh, this just happened to us Saturday. In fact, I already had this in my notes. We were talking to some friends of ours that found out they're having their first child. They have not been able to have kids. They're having their first child. Found out they're having a boy. And so I always ask this. You know, Walter's a great name. It really is a great. You don't meet many Walters. And I, you know, I learned that. I said, you know, I looked it up and... My, my name was number one in 1870. So they said, you know, and I wrote this in my notes, one of the questions that I now put 
in our premarital counseling is to ask, do you have any kids' names? Because when parents try to come up with names, everybody has a different name that they want. They want to name it after, you know, a grandpa or a great uncle or, or something. And so they said, we're actually having some real disagreements about what to name this boy, right? It's a big, big deal. So I've added that in my notes, but I thought about this. If you're coming up with names and you're talking with your spouse, one of the off-limit names is you never want to name the child after a former boyfriend or girlfriend, right? That Everybody would agree with that? You don't want to remember. In fact, you don't even really want to name the dog after the former boyfriend or girlfriend. If you suggest a name of a girl that your spouse didn't like the girl in school, that's not going to fly either, right? They're not going to want to remember that one. And when you think about names, I always do this. You know, kids don't play in sandboxes anymore. But it used to be when kids would play together, you want to think of a name that they don't get teased. Right? You want to think, uh, how, does that, how does that one name sound? Interesting that we come up with names based on how it sounds. Where in the Bible, when a something was specifically named, or what we like to do even with our kids, we named it for a Bible promise, meaning. There was a lady, her first name was Helen. She married a guy with the last name of Back, Helen Back. After 10 years of marriage and having to go through counseling, the husband did admit that they've really been to Helen Back. <laughs> Helen Back. Names are significant. I was even thinking, of this, uh, this is how sneaky Michelle is. So we both agree on, right, Madison, right, as a name, Valiant Warrior, Maverick, Trailblazer. Wait, they're all M's. Her first name is an M. M, M. I'm the upside down M. That's how I figure, right? I'm the upside down with a W. But names are significant. They, in the Bible, they meant something. We read about Abram and Sarah, that God would even change their name to Abraham. And, and or Abraham and Sarah, the father of many nations, right? The mother of many, Adam and Eve, their name, uh, father and mother of all living things. We read about in the Bible of other names. In fact, it was funny. It was like everybody just had a first name and they'd list where you were from. Jesus of Nazareth. The tomb that was used was John of Arimathea, Saul of Tarshish. It was your first name and then your city. So when Isaiah prophesies about this child, this child has all of these names. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So I wanted to look at just a few minutes of our everlasting father in just that first word, everlasting everlasting it's not going to run out it's not going to dry out it's not going to give up it's an everlasting father and we start in genesis chapter one where we just read that first verse that says in the beginning who god in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth in the beginning before there was anything that we see today that was created here on earth, God was already there. He's always been. Uh, the questions that even my kids would ask when they were little would be things like, 
then who created God? We're so used to things being created by somebody. He's always been. He always has been. He's eternal. He's not on a, a timeline of when he's been God. He's in eternal. I love what David said in Psalm because it gives a part of David understood the heart and the nature of God where he said, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. And then John picks up this in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, where he writes down these things. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In the beginning was the word. Jesus is that word. Jesus is also eternal. He's always been there. John chapter 8, verse 58. This is Jesus' own words. In fact, if you read that entire chapter, it's going back and forth with those Jewish leaders of the day. And Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is reminding him, Before there was Abraham, I am. I am the one. And then the Apostle Paul picks it up in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. In fact, he mentions earlier that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And then verse 16 and 17 says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Think about this. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, who we also get to know as, as Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has always been everything created through him. And I like what that says, in him all things consist. Well, you know, we read on uh, back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, there's an interesting little verse there. In fact, some of your Bibles are going to have the word us capitalized. And it, and it says this, then God said, let us Make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, many of your Bibles should have that capitalized. It's a Hebrew word, and it's the word Elohim, which we would translate God, rulers, judges, and it signifies to us early on God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You can even see that same word in Genesis chapter 11, it's at the Tower of Babel where it says, let us go down and confuse their language. It's the same word, the word Elohim. It gives us that example of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all working together, right? The, it's one God in three persons. We've called it the Trinity, but it's one God in three persons. And we get the picture of it 
in Luke chapter 3, verse 22, where when Jesus is baptized, it says this, And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form, like a dove, upon him, that's talking about Jesus, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. So notice we see the Father speaking, the Son being baptized, and then what do we see? The Holy Spirit descending. He's not a dove, right? Like a dove. That's the description they have, like, like a dove. And we call, that the, um, we call that the Trinity. There was a book I was reading, in fact, it's been a while ago, that says, your kids need to hear three things from you. They need to hear that you love them, that you're proud of them, and that they're really good at dot, 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 dot. You're really good at cleaning your room. <laughs> right. You're really good at doing all the laundry for the house. You are so good at doing dishes. I just want to let you know how good you are at dishes. You're a champion. You know the things that we need to hear, and God says it all the time to us. God tells us, I love you. The Father wants to tell us too, I'm proud of you. And he's given us gifts. He's deposited gifts that he's glad we use. Uh, Maverick had a uh, Friday night soccer game. And, you know, he, he's, he's kind of coming out of football season into soccer, right? Two different types of sports. But he likes knocking people around on the field. Uh, and, one, you know, as a dad sitting there and you see your son put a shoulder into a kid on the soccer field and put him down, you know, you cheer real loud and then you kind of go back. Like you don't want to, you know, it's not that type of a violent sport. But these kids were like violent. One of the dads in the parking lot came up to Maverick. And, uh, you know, I stood back and I, I, was, I was proud to hear him say it to Maverick. He says, Mav, this is an MMA out there in the soccer field. He says, but I love that you're so aggressive and go after the ball. Well, you know, as a dad, that made me proud that another father would come up and, you know, they see that in your son. But I remember what, what God says to us. That he loves us. That he's proud of us. And those gifts that he's given to us, he wants us to use. Well, let's look at Jesus's earthly father for just a minute. Because his earthly father was going to listen through dreams that he had from the heavenly father. That's so important even for us when we think about today. Are we really tuning in to listening uh, to the Holy Spirit? So let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Let's jump real quick into the Bible Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to look at Joseph. And it says this uh, in Matthew. Oh, I'm in Luke. We can read that one too. Let me get to Matthew chapter 1. All right, verse 19. In fact, let me go to verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed. Everybody say betrothed. We're going to mention that in a minute. Was betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me translate that today. Um, you're engaged, but the engagement of a betrothal back then was already a marriage contract. The only way to break it wasn't handing back the ring. The way to break it was a divorce. 
The other thing that throws this one into a little twist and turn is now Mary's with child, meaning that she's not been married and out of wedlock, according to Leviticus, she could have been stoned in the public square. And so now she's with trial, she's betrothed, and it says this in verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So, so if we could jump into Joseph's mind and heart for a minute, he's wrestling with all of this. You know, yeah. Mary comes to you and says, I just want you to know that an angel appeared to me and spoke to me, and I am pregnant with the child of God. Okay, if you and I heard that this afternoon at the mall, what's the first thing you would think? We're going to get you some help today, right? Immediately. We've heard people in our day try to, try to use things like this. Joseph's thinking, what do I do? Like he's, he's stirring about it. I don't want to make her a public example. Can I place her with some family somewhere that nobody finds out at all? And the Bible goes on and it says this. It says, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. To take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name, say it with me, Jesus. And then here's the description of it. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and called his name Jesus. Had he been intimate with her, there would now have been a, a sin nature connected with Jesus. Jesus had to be born with the virgin birth. I love what he says, and here's what you're going to name him. You're going to name him Jesus, and here's why. He's going to save the people from their sin. You know, as we looked at Isaiah and we looked at all of those different names, do you know in the book of Isaiah are 17 different chapters that are prophetic references to Jesus Christ in Isaiah? Okay, 2,700 years ago, prophetic references of this Jesus were coming through Isaiah and he's prophesying and writing some of these things down to capture, and he alone, as he writes these things, probably is um, aware of some things and mainly not aware of what's going on, that he's writing about the future Messiah, not just to the Jewish people, but the entire world. And now all of a sudden, in a dream, Joseph hears, you're going to name him Jesus, and he's going to save his people 
from their sins. Now, I don't know about you. I've had dreams. Have you had dreams before? Have you ever woke up in the morning and thought, good Lord, where did that come from? I wasn't even thinking about that. What did we eat last night? It was too spicy. Who stayed up and had the TV? I mean, have you ever had a crazy dream before and you wake up? Where did that come from? I had a dream uh, one time we were pastoring in Garden Grove and I had a dream that we were to go find out where this lady was in church, that it was priority. And you know, I woke up thinking, I'm just having some dream, haven't seen somebody. I got a hold of somebody and did not know that she had locked herself in her room and was going to drink herself to death. It was a dream I had. Boy, had I, had I not, you know, had I bypassed that. Then I've had dreams before where I thought I'm absolutely crazy, right? I didn't go see a cow. I'm having these crazy dreams. Well, Joseph gets this dream that's of the Lord. Notice when it's of the Lord, it always has some direction and purpose of it. In fact, we go on because how God's going to lead Joseph, he's going to lead him in dreams. So we read this. Um, after the wise men come in Matthew chapter 2, we read this. In fact, let me go to verse 12. It says, Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Verse 13. Now when they had departed, now think of the scene. Jesus is probably about or close to two years of age. And the reason we know that is Herod is going to send out soldiers to kill all of the boys in Bethlehem two years and under. He's in a house. He just was visited by the wise men. He was not only presented the gifts, get your mind off the gifts, they hit their knees and worshipped this child that was two years of age or under and then presented the gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You talk about going to bed at night on like an exciting high, like, did that really happen? Did we really experience that? They trekked as far as they did because they had seen a star. You know, it, it's showing to Joseph and Mary how the Lord's leading them. And then you go to bed at night, and here's what you, here's what you dream. Now when they had departed, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, out of Egypt I called my son. Well, we pick this up in verse 19. Now when Herod was dead, behold... An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Another dream, right? He's having another dream. Herod's dead. The one that have sought the child, they've, they've, they're gone. And it says, But he heard, so then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea, instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. This is the nature of Joseph. He was afraid to go there and being warned by God in what? 
a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. So Joseph is a little concerned about where to go, and yet God confirms where to go in a dream that it might be fulfilled according to the scripture. Isn't it amazing that when we read our Bible, that God has already gone before and made sure to confirm things before his people. That's why when we read this, we're not reading a history book. God is looking out after his word to perform it. He would even have him go to Egypt to fulfill a scripture. Has him go to Nazareth to fulfill a scripture. And Joseph is following what God is telling him to do for this child. You know, the only other time we read about Joseph in the Bible is Luke chapter 2, verse 52, when we read about Jesus and he's lost for three days. And they find him in the temple and he's both asking and answering questions. And that's the last time we get a reference of Joseph. We don't know if he died. Uh, we don't know if he's just not added in there. We do see Mary all throughout the, uh, the, the New Testament. We see Mary in the book of Acts. We don't see Joseph. But what we see about Joseph is that God would use somebody to care over his very own to fulfill the promise that this one is coming and his name is Jesus. And he's going to save you from your sins. You know, I was thinking of my own kids and every parent has done something or said something that you wish you could take back. Is there a parent, any, any of you parents are like, I've never done that. No, we've all done that, haven't we? Wouldn't you love to erase a few parts and say, you know, let's just start over. I really didn't mean to do that. Every parent's probably exploded when they shouldn't explode, said something, done something. And here's the thing about it. None of us are perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, you know, you're not perfect. Tell them that, <laughs> right? You're not perfect. You make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. When our daughter was three, we were out visiting from North Carolina. We were at Disneyland. Uh, at the time, uh, Michelle and I were district youth directors in North Carolina. We were with some pastor friends, and we were with Michelle's parents. And we're in Toontown, and so, you know, here's the three-year-old, sees one of those little fiberglass cars, and she jumps in the car, and she's driving the car, and I'm getting it on video. And in the, if I had the video, in the frame, you would see a gentleman puts his um, personal stuff next to Madison, and then the next thing you know, he grabs her by the shoulder and pulls her out of the car. I blinked, and when I opened my eyes, I had him by the throat up against the wall, and I had my left hand back, and I was going to let him have it. It was that instant. And uh, he looked at me at first like, you know, he was going to fight me, and then I put him down, and he was probably half my size, and he had his eyes open. And, uh, and I yelled, you know, and I'm sure all tuned down and over, I'm, I probably yelled over Mickey's voice. Don't you touch my dog! You know, it just like comes out of you. And, you know, that adrenaline that goes through your body, you're like, you know, you're amped. And then I turn around and I see, you know, I'm thinking, I'm a pastor. I was just choking this guy at Toontown. I look over and there's our pastor friends. 
And then I see Michelle's parents and her dad's like, what happened? What did I miss? You know, what happened? And her mom's like, Walter just choked this guy. No, no, hey, that's not, that's not how it happened. Right? That's, that's not, I just didn't go out, I feel like choking somebody. Oh, let me tell you, I felt, you know, one is I'm going to protect her. The other one is, oh, I, I probably could have handled that so much better. I, I mean, if you ever felt beat up before and you're just like, I don't even want to be at Disneyland today. I just want to go home. I'm going to go to bed. So we're walking over and Madison runs to this, into down this little fire truck. So she's in the fire truck and I'm going to get her back. And here the guy comes back again. And I thought, okay, this time I'm not going to choke him. Well, he looks at me and he goes the other direction. Oh, that was, that was not a good example to set for a parent. As Madison got older and uh, she was going to, I believe it was one of those Sadie Hawkins uh, events. We're in the living room waiting for the boy to come. And she gets a text that says, come meet me in my car. Give me that phone. No, Dad. I'm not. You tell him he needs to get his rear end in our house. So she texts him back. Can you believe, you know, now, nowadays, you don't do that, right? You go up and you knock on the girls. Uh, you come in. You greet the parents. That's part of the process, right? That's part of trying to figure them out. So she texts him so he comes in the house. And so I, I don't think, I wasn't grilling him. I just started asking questions. And in just a few questions, this guy's cursing like a sailor. Something, all right, this, this isn't going to last long at all. One night at dinner, another boy texts her. And he wants to send her some pictures on his phone. And isn't it great that these things come to your kids when you're right with them? And so I said, you're, we're going to send him a picture of your dad's face. That's the picture he's going to get. And the next picture he's going to get is me knocking on his door. And we're going to have, you know, we're going to have, so that, that, you know, that ended. Well, one of the things, especially for a girl is dads, right? You protect them. You look out after them. You're, you're, you're making sure, not that you don't, the boys, because you got to look out after them too, but, but God has placed you in that environment to look out after them, to protect them, to watch them when people are out there. And I get that picture out of, out of Joseph, that God finds a man that will listen to him and do what he says he'll do, as crazy as it might sound. Continue to, to go on with this relationship. It's of the Lord. He'll listen to what the Lord says to him in a dream through an angel to depart to Egypt. That wouldn't have, uh, you would have thought was the plan. But he listened to the Lord and watched after this child. And then he listened to the Lord again, and, but he did this first time. He was a little concerned about where to go, and God confirmed it to him through a dream of where to go to fulfill the scripture that it would be Jesus the Nazarene. Following after God is what we were created to do. But he's given us those different names. That's why I love the word that we read in Isaiah where it says the word he's our everlasting father everlasting father the everlasting father he never disappoints he never forsakes he never forgets he never leaves in fact really for all of us he's the father that we've all craved he's the example for all of us to do you know when we look at 
the heart of God, in fact, in Isaiah chapter 11, we won't look at it, but in Isaiah chapter 11, as he, Isaiah begins to prophesy some more about the Lord, he prophesies that this Jesus is the answer to the human race. He's the answer. And it's not a fix. It's not a quick fix. It's not a warranty that gets patched. It's an answer to the human race. And yet that everlasting father name was given to Jesus, who when we just read about his life, modeled those examples to us in every single situation. In fact, it comes back up when we read 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 19, where it says, the God is so long-suffering that he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants all to have an opportunity for eternal life. Let's think of the heart of God. He's so long-suffering. He's taking his time. 700 years before Jesus is born. 2,700 years plus since today. He's so long-suffering to give people that opportunity to accept his son. Bow your heads if you would with me today. You know, when I, I read this about everlasting father, I, I think I think of two things. And it's what we say a lot and what we read a lot in the Bible is let our eyes be fixed on Jesus. Let our heart be directed to him. Let his words so impact and penetrate our hearts that we get that picture of an eternal father guiding, directing, speaking to us. We don't have all of the answers, but our everlasting father does, and he's the one that we're told to come to. We read it over and over in the New Testament, come to me, come to me, come to me. So, Lord, we stop today. We take that one word, everlasting Father. It probably means something different to each of our lives and stories. But would you impact our hearts today? That we serve a God that has forever been and forever will be. And he's made promises over our lives. In fact, He's the one that says today the words that we need to hear more than any other human words that we need to hear from our Heavenly Father, I love you. I'm so proud of you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've either never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you're going in a complete different direction, isn't it amazing to read and to see how God scripted this so that Jesus would be born under the radar. But he came to give life, to save the people from their sins. And I would like all of us to repeat this prayer together. Ready? Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived. And he died for me. I accept him as my Lord. 
and my Savior. Thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for bringing me into your family. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that today, would you please see us at the end of service so that we can pray for you? Stand with me if you would. We're going to close with the song, What Child Is This? Michelle will come back up and uh, dismiss us today. How powerful Jesus is, even as a child, to us today. Let's sing along. Always a fun Sunday when you get to hear your family stuff on the front row. I need to just clarify a few things. First of all, no young man that was mentioned was ever Madison's boyfriend. So, that being said, yes, as Walter said, they would have never been. But by her own choosing, they would have never been. So please, shake it all out <laughs> and understand all is well. But for those of you this morning that have not had a father that is like this man or a heaven, you haven't known the heavenly father as a father that watches out over you to protect you. I invite you today into that relationship with him. You have a God in heaven that loves you so much that no matter what is going on in your life, he is your provider and protector. He will step in. And he will protect. You might not have known that on earth. And you're, you might be grown and beyond needing that from an earthly father. But you have a heavenly father that desires more than anything for you to invite him in to protect and guard that which he gave his life for, and that's you. If you need that today, I invite you at the end of service to come up and let's pray together. And we will invoke the Father's heart. And I promise you, you will sense his presence in a way that you haven't before. God is good all the time. God is good. And he loves you. This Christmas season, I invite you to invite somebody to come to church to experience, first of all, this family. We have a good family here. People need family. Invite them to church. Next Sunday, I get the privilege of sharing with you, and my message is titled, Provision in the Manger. You will want to hear it. You will want to find out what that manger provided for you. Invite somebody to come. Invite somebody to Christmas Eve service. It will be a wonderful time together as family. I pray you have a wonderful week. Oh, and I need to give a disclaimer. I was asked more than once, why aren't you wearing an ugly sweater? I typically would. I have every year. But today we have the honor of hosting Brother Edit George's memorial service here. And I get to share a few words at it. And so I was not going to have time to change and all of that. So that is why I'm not wearing it. Next year I will. I promise. I promise. 
God bless you. Have a great week. Finish your shopping if you haven't.